Hi again, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Employment Notebook, a part of LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma, and today we're going to look at some productivity hacks. Now, I'm sure you've seen plenty of these or heard about them in general. We want to dive into some details to give you the exact recipe that's going to work in your own professional life. To do that today, we're going to speak with Jim Stone. He's a productivity researcher who specializes in evolutionary psychology and the psychological effects of rapid technological innovation. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, you mentioned in an article that I saw about focus really being integral for people really to create and be creative. Do you see focus in general as being a big struggle for most people at work today? I don't know if it's a big struggle for most people because it kind of depends on the kind of work you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're in the service industry, uh, you're working as a barista or something, you know, your job is to respond a steady stream of somewhat random requests all day. And, and for the most part, they take a minute or two to execute. And so distraction is the norm and focus isn't really possible or in maybe not even desirable there. So it's, it mostly applies to creative workers, I think. Sure. And, you know, some people are in a good place. You know, they've got a good manager who understands the demands of the creative work, uh, makes an effort to protect their creative space. And they've been at it long enough that they've worked out their own focus and productivity rituals. Uh, and so those people are probably fine too. So it's it's the remaining creative workers who either don't have a supportive workplace or uh, they just haven't had the time or or the information to uh, develop their own habits and rituals uh, to support their focus and their creativity. That's uh, those are the ones who are struggling to focus in their work. I think. And that's where we did want to focus a lot of uh, the attention for the show was just touching on some tips maybe to help those individuals um, and obviously get some more details from you on how you can make it work. And of course, we know that it's going to be different for every person, as you mentioned, even for the type of position you have. But hopefully our listeners can take away what they need to from our conversation. So I wanted to start with something that uh, I've always used, essentially, and that's the idea of listening to music. Uh, We actually have it playing throughout our office, but I'll even throw on headphones and listen to my own, uh, you know, if I feel the need to. Right. Uh, but I've, I've heard it both ways. As far as it can help, it can hurt. What's your take as far as the keys to success when you're using music as a way to help you focus? I use music all the time too. I, I think the key is to avoid mental resource conflict. And so, you know, if you're doing something where you have to have fine audio, auditory discrimination, you're editing your interviews or something, music's probably going to get in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're using the same channels that you need for the primary task. Similarly, if you're writing, you probably don't want music with lyrics going uh, because the processing of the lyrics is going to interfere with the, you know, the same language centers that, right. that you're right. using to write. So, you know, for writing, you know, something instrumental is probably better. Uh, if you're practicing your putting in golf or something, <laughs> you should probably feel free to use whatever kind of music, you know, keeps you energized and, and focused on that task. You got to be careful about lyrics. Uh, you got to make sure the mood is appropriate. If you're trying to write a piece that's encouraging and calming, you don't want to be listening to death metal probably. <laughs> or that could work. I don't or know. Or it could work. I don't, yeah. And, you know, the volume probably shouldn't be too loud. And, and mm-hmm. I would guess something like show tunes would probably not work for too many tasks <laughs> because the whole point is to be jarring and, and surprising at times. Sure. And so that's going to pull you out of your focus. But I think I think music actually does its work a lot of times. It's, it's not just okay to use music. Sometimes it actually helps us focus better because I like to use the analogy of setting a pick like in basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all these defenders that are trying to distract you and keep you from being creative in this case. And the music just gets in their way. 
you know, if, as long as you're not using the same channels as your primary task. So if you've got music on and you're trying to write, you're not hearing every little creak in your house or when the refrigerator pump goes on or things like this that can sometimes pull you out of your focus. And so the music is setting a pick for you. It's actually shielding you and, and protecting your little bubble there. Yeah, I like that breakdown, the idea that, I mean, that's what it is for me. I feel like if it's quiet, I for some reason, I have a harder time concentrating. But I do appreciate you bringing up those different scenarios where if you're dealing with writing that you don't want lyrics because it's all kind of, uh, you know, getting in each other's way, as you kind of mentioned there. Is there an easy way to tell if something really is benefiting you or is that just something you got to kind of figure out for yourself and maybe test out a few things? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it, basically. I mean, like you said, you they have music in the office, but sometimes it's not working for you, right? I mean, you've got to like the music. And I, I think you know, you can tell when you're starting to pay attention to the music and mm. not your work. Uh, and so I, I think it's just, it's not that hard to tell. Um, I don't have a, an algorithm for it, but... <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, you can you can just tell it's uh, I'm focusing better than I was without the music. And right. I, I think it's pretty self-evident once you've once you try something. Sure. Makes sense. I just wanted to check, you know, we have data for everything. It seems like so I didn't know if you had created some special formula. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. I, I did run across a study that said jazz is better for putting practice. Really? Yeah. Right. And I tried it and I don't think it worked for me. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> To each his own, to each his yes. own. Yes. How about the setup of the workspace uh, that you are, you know, especially if you have a cube or an office that you can have some uh, some say in how you set it up. Is that a big deal in terms of focus? Because me personally, I haven't, I've never really felt that way, but I could be completely wrong, obviously. There are some things that can make a big difference for some people. If you have a choice about where to work, you know, uh, you may mm. have your assigned cubicle, but maybe you can get out and go work in a coffee shop or work at home one day or something. That's going to be a choice you have available. So you want to know the pros and cons of the different workplaces. Right. Other things that can affect people, and they'll, they'll go in opposite directions sometimes. If you're in a more of an open area, whether you have your back to the crowd or the other workers or you're facing them can make a big difference. Interesting. Some people get more distracted by seeing other people. Other people, and I think I would be in this camp, can get a little paranoid about what's going on <laughs> behind them. Right. If, if their back is turned to the room. So that's, a, again, a, a case of knowing yourself. So that's one, one lever you can pull. Let's see, another would be the clutter on your desk. Mm -hmm. Some people need it really clean. Again, I'm in the camp where I can let it accumulate for a month and then I have to clean because I can't find stuff. You know, that's <laughs> kind of my trigger. But you could probably rearrange everything on my desk and I wouldn't even notice. Sure. So again, that's knowing yourself. Yeah, those are so those are some of the things. I mean, are there things like even the light that you're using or you're getting or things that I don't know, caters to your personality. I I think I mentioned manipulatives, things that you could have in your hands. I mean, are those things that could go either way as far as helping you or hurting you? Oh, manipulatives. That's interesting. I haven't really given much thought to manipulatives. So you're talking about like uh a stress ball or yeah, a Rubik's cube, right? Or, some something where you're just almost distracting that that physical part of your right. you know, anatomy, so that you're like, okay, right. my, that part of my brain is distracted, so I can focus on this. Or doodling while you're on a right. phone conversation, sure. right? Yeah, um, I, yeah. Again, this this is kind of an open ended list. I oh, don't, sure. So you certainly probably have factors that you've discovered in your own life that are can make a difference. Um, yeah, again, it's the same with, as with music. You. You don't want to be competing with the same channels. So if your you know, job requires you to quickly have manual dexterity on something, 
you're probably going to hurt yourself more than help by having a, you know, something to fiddle with. Most of the work we do, well, typing, you know, you're not going to be able to fiddle with something while you're <laughs> typing. Right. But for a lot of things, I, I would think that would actually help. Again, the same principle that you're, you're occupying the channels that aren't being used to prevent distractions coming from other, other sources. Well, you know, another thing we hear a lot about, and I actually just did a show uh, about this, is the idea of scheduling uh, of the work and when you do it. Uh, you know, along the ideas, sometimes when people talk about circadian rhythms and the idea of rest uh, might not be as detailed as how your body physically is functioning, but the actual rest that you take in between work. What would you describe as some of the details of that and what might be important in terms of how often we work or when we take breaks, that sort of thing? Right. Well, I think most people can divide their work into parts that require more focus and parts that don't. Okay. The parts that require focus are typically things like uh, writing computer code or writing, maybe putting together a PowerPoint presentation mm -hmm. or something like that. Most of us have jobs that require a lot of other things where we have to be in meetings or, or we're just bouncing ideas off of colleagues or answering emails where it doesn't take quite as much focus, quite as much mental energy. And we can open ourselves up to distraction. In fact, sometimes, you know, you need to have both parts in your job. You got to communicate with other coworkers and everything, but you also need this time where you can get alone and focus and not have interruptions. So what a lot of people have come up with is because the Lauren and Schwartz are the ones that I first saw this in, in their book, The Power of Focus. They say, take your highest energy time of day. And, and most of us will have one. And mm -hmm. it's usually the same time of day every day. Sure. You, you know, for me, partly because I'm caffeine dependent, uh, it's morning, you know, and I, I can't drink caffeine past noon or I won't sleep well at night. So I'm pretty much locked into having my core high focus work come in the morning. And just knowing that is helpful, though. So I don't schedule, you know, the lower focus tasks for the morning. I'm not answering emails. I'm not doing research so much. I'm, I'm not, you know, talking with other people and doing meetings. I'll save that for the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a matter of matching up your highest focus work with the times of day where you have the most energy for it. And that's important. Another thing people will do though, is even within a work session, like let's say you have a two hour block devoted to high focus creative work. You can divide that time up even further into uh, little blocks of maybe 25 minutes of work and then five minutes of rest. Hmm. That's known as the Pomodoro method, but there are all kinds of these rhythms. Sometimes you'll do 10 minutes of work with two minutes of rest. And other times it's, it's just more of a natural rhythm where you just work until you feel like it's time to stop working and then you, <laughs> and you wander around for five minutes and right. come back to it type of thing. Well, and again, even just the having discussion, I hope that you know people listening, they may not have even thought about that. They just kind of work whatever the schedule says, and this is what I do, and, and not take those things in consideration. So that's why we like having these shows and even bringing up the conversation. As, as you said, it's going to be different for everybody, although there are a lot of principles that might be similar in a lot of ways. I wanted to ask, you know, from the beginning, we mentioned, as I just said there, some of these things might work well for certain individuals and others, not so much. Do you have any suggestions for being able to figure out what exactly would work for me for you? I and mean, were you talking about monitoring or scheduling things that you can really lay out and say, okay, this is how well this is going to work for me, or this is what I need to do at this time period. How far would you suggest people can go? Okay. What I do is I, you know, I think the very first step here is to realize that you've got different kinds of work during your day. Mm -hmm. And, and so for me personally, I, I will write, I code, I have to do marketing, I will do audio recordings and, and things like this. And each kind of work kind of requires a different recipe for for getting myself into focus. I like to think of it as, you know, you want your muse to show up. And 
your muse is kind of like, it's almost like uh, you're setting the stage for, you know, your partner, your lover, and you're trying to, you know, get the lighting just right and the, the light the fire and put on the music and everything. And, and you're hoping, you know, you, you want to create this space where you can focus. And the thing to realize is that each, each kind of work is a different muse. And so each, you want to treat them each as individuals, kind of, you know, so you come up with sep- different recipes. Mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of experimentation. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to sit down and think hard about what the different kinds of work are that you do. And then even with different kinds of work, sometimes like for writing for me, I will break that down even further into research, uh, into brainstorming, into editing, into free writing, into presentation. Okay. And I find that that can make a difference. And so what I'll do is I'll create a little recipe for myself for each kind of work. And so for free writing, I'll just give an example here. I sometimes come up with writer's block like many people do. And so I found that like I need a work rest rhythm there sometimes. Right. And I'll use a very fine grained one. I'll I'll work for 10 minutes and take a break for two. And the reason I do that is because it's it's not that daunting to tell myself I have to write for 10 minutes. I have to keep my fingers moving for 10 minutes. I can do that. And if I know that I can take a break after that, it's kind of it's an easy thing to get yourself to do. Hmm. Uh, so it, it kind of gets me going. I also do my planning when I'm writing inside the document I'm writing in. And I like to do it at a coffee shop. I like to have epic instrumental music on. And so I kind of have experimented enough to know this is the formula for getting my free writing muse to come out and play. (laughs) But it's different for other things. Like if I'm editing audio, I don't need to do that in the morning because it doesn't require peak mental focus. Sure. I don't use a work rest rhythm that would just kind of get in the way. I don't listen to music because that's going to interfere. Mm I don't plan, I don't use an outline or anything, but what I've done is I've got a checklist that I use for editing audio and I'll work off of that because it's roughly the same procedure every time. Right. And so you notice I'm changing, I'm changing the elements here to match the work that I do. And, and as I said before, I think well, it seems like a lot of people don't necessarily break it down that way, but it definitely sounds like you can find that perfect rhythm for yourself or at least figure out, as you said, those recipes that'll fit for those individual tasks. And again, I appreciate you bringing those to the table. We are getting up against the clock here, but I wanted to give you the floor at the end. Um, What would you give the listeners uh, to take away from this conversation in terms of focus or being able to improve their focus when it comes to accomplishing all their work? I, I guess I would say just be aware of the different kinds of work you do. Be aware of what tends to break your focus during each kind of work and be aware of the different things you can do to tweak to make your focus better. Uh, The five things that I use are the time of day that you're going to work, the workspace you're going to use and how it's set up, whether you use music or not, work rest rhythm, and what kind of planning tool you use. Okay. I will use uh, a very, you know, an outline style planner to do coding, which works brilliantly. It helps you get things off of your mind so that you can make progress. And I'll use the working document I'm in when I'm writing. Um, I'll just use a checklist for some other tasks and that kind of thing. So what I think happens is people will like read about a productivity system, like getting things done, which is a great system. But I think they'll find that they try to apply that to every kind of work and they find it, it there's friction right. with some kinds of work. It works for this. It doesn't work for that. But they feel like they should give it a go and they should like do it consistently. And it's almost this guilt thing that they're not using the system fully. And I guess I just want to give them the freedom to pick and choose, to take what they want from different productivity experts 
try it out for their different kinds of work, and feel free to come up with a different recipe for each kind of work. I think that's some good advice to leave off the show with. Jim, thanks for coming on and sharing your insight with us today. Great. Thank you, Tim. With that, we'll close out this episode of Employment Notebook. Again, we were speaking with Jim Stone, a productivity researcher, and you can actually find more of his work at psychologytoday.com. I'd suggest all of you out there checking out that website. Some great information, and they take it to that practical level that really can help you in your career. If you'd like to get in touch with us, maybe give us some feedback about this show or any of our episodes, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com or reach out to us on Twitter at the LJN. And be sure to check out all of our shows on ljnradio.com as well as on iTunes. For everyone here at the Local Job Network, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. 